Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Well, hello, hello. This is the Locked On NFL Podcast. Usually on Thursdays, it's Twitter Thursday, but instead we've got Tucker Thursday. My old buddy Ross, how you doing, man? I am doing fantastic. I love it. I feel like it's somewhat fitting since I'm such a big Twitter guy that I'm on Twitter Tucker Thursday. Right. And we're going to have to make it Twitter Friday in, in your honor, but usually it's Twitter Thursday. I want to run by a couple small little topics before we get to the top tackles in this draft class. First off, free agency hit. Guys like Okun and Khalil, the money they made. I mean, I know there's a shortage of offensive linemen, but did it blow you away and make you want to put the pads back on to make a couple bucks? Very surprised. I was never as good as either one of those guys, and I did not play left tackle, but (laughs) Still very surprised. And you know what I think is amazing? Maybe the, one of the biggest lessons that I took from it, M-Dub, which is that it's amazing how situational and circumstantial, you know, a football career can be. I mean, if there were three or four good college prospects coming out really good that people right. really liked, these guys wouldn't have gotten that much money because the teams would have thought, you know what, we can get one of these guys in the draft. They'll be on a cheap rookie contract. We'll have them for years. We'll be all good. But that's not the case. I think people are pretty skeptical of this draft class for various reasons. And as such, they are going to go ahead and pay big money for guys like Matt Khalil and Russell Okung. I mean, I think Okung actually played decently last year. Uh, Khalil, that's the one I really, really don't quite understand. Yeah, he hasn't played well in a long time. I mean, it, it's shocking to me. But, I mean, his brother's on the team. All those things are wonderful. But he doesn't block anybody. But I was at no, and I heard, yeah, And I've heard people say, Matt, I'm sorry. I've heard no, people yeah. say, um, well, you know, now that he's playing with his brother, you know, he'll be, you know, a <laughs> lot more motivated. And, you know, you know how it is when you have an older brother. Like, so are you telling me that he wasn't motivated to play professional football at left tackle with the Vikings? Because if that's the case, then we're going to have even a bigger problem if it's one of motivation. <laughs> exactly. It makes no sense to me either. But maybe they know more about the situation than we do in terms of injuries and whatnot. But I was asked this earlier in the week that if all things are equal, how would you rank importance of the five offensive line positions? And I think I went left tackle, center, right tackle, right guard, left guard. Well, I think, number one, it depends a lot on scheme. Sure. And it depends on and it depends on who you have in your division. In other words, no, like, point. back in the day when, um, you know, there were really good nose tackles like Casey Hampton and Haloti Nada and these guys in the AFC North, then you better have a really good center. You know, otherwise your whole entire run game could just be done, you know, because those guys would just control things. But for the most part, all things being equal, because scheme matters too. 
Does the offensive coordinator like to slide left, like to slide right? Does he have a tendency that way? Is he a guy that always Mike protects and is always protecting the middle of the pocket? You know, if it's a, an offense where they always Mike protect and put the premium on the middle of the pocket, then one and two are left tackle and right tackle, you know, because that means those guys are always going to be one-on-one and they're not going to really ever get any help. If it's a pretty good mix and match of different protections, then I, I would say and it, it depends again on what you're looking for. I think it's still left tackle one. I think it's right tackle two. And I, I would argue uh, it's right guard three. And then center and left guard are pretty comparable to me. Probably center four and left guard five. I think the reason why I say that is there are so many good rushers coming over the right tackle, like the Von Millers of the world, that you you really need to have a pretty good player there. Otherwise, it's going to really hurt your football team. So I think left tackle one, right tackle two. And then in the interior... You know, if you don't have a good right guard, it seems like a lot of teams are still right-hand dominant, which means a lot of times they're sliding the protection to the left, or at a minimum, the right guard is in a situation where he's going against the three technique, and the three technique has a two-way go, so he has to block him, you know, whether he does an inside move, outside move, you know, think Zach Martin, some of the really good right guards in the league. I think that is more important and more valuable than a center who's almost never isolated one-on-one in the passing game, which is one of the things that is the most difficult. And I think that you look for those guys more for their football intelligence, you know, football acumen. And I think you can find that um, without having to, to pay as much money or to draft as high. Um, the real value comes into the center position if it's a guy that really provides strength in the pocket and can be sort of a weapon at the point of attack in the run game, like Mangold was for a while and Travis Frederick from the Cowboys is now. Yeah, and and probably I have some Pittsburgh bias of picking center. You know, I grew up, Mike Webster and Jermarni Dawson were basically the only centers of my, my youth. And I always, and it was more of a an attitude thing than, than a schematic thing, that you, the path you went down of, I want the toughest dude, the smartest dude in that offensive line room to be my center. You know, you see the the influence Alex Mack had in Atlanta. And, you know, rarely do you see an offensive line and say, that's a really good offensive line, but they're really weak at center. You know, like, it it seems like they go hand in hand, that you have a stud center, that everything seems to fall into place off the field, on the field. Yeah, I think that that's really well said. I I like that. Um, I think that there's some truth to that in terms of the leadership at that position. And I would also say, um, you have a Pittsburgh bias. I never knew that's totally shocking to me. Wow. Crazy. <laughs> it's the, the, the better side of the state, obviously. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let's talk draft a little bit. I know I got you for a couple more minutes here. Cam Robinson from Alabama. Um, I want to hear your impressions of him. My hunch, just from a scouting background, I think offensive linemen more than maybe any other position get influenced when the coaches get involved in the process, which only happened, what, a month or two ago. You know, they weren't on the road all year. And I bet when the coaches look at Cam Robinson, they say, I can turn him into a – I can reach this guy's potential. 
Probably. I mean, it sounds like, you know, people are liking him more and more and that he might go higher than people anticipated. But I'm, I'm, I got to tell you now, and I will, I will couch this. Well, I would couch this M-Dub by telling you I only have got a chance to watch one full game of him, right? Okay. So maybe it was a bad game, but in my experience, what you see from a guy, like how they play, the traits you see, that, that it, it's usually what they are. You know, and what I saw was a guy that is not overly athletic. Um, I would almost describe him sometimes at sluggish. I have a tough time. You know, he's a tough time getting out of his stance at times. He was getting beat off the ball quite a bit. I don't like the idea of him playing tackle. I think he's a guard. Some people say maybe right tackle, but he's just not real smooth or fluid in anything he does. He's not, it's not like he makes up for it like uh, Andre Smith did by being dominant at the point of attack in the run game. He's not like a nasty finisher. I mean, what he is is he's a, a really big kid that has long arms and projects to me to being, you know, a average to below average right tackle probably in the NFL. I think that's probably what he ends up being, and he'll start because – uh, some of his physical traits, but uh, I was not a big fan of his. He was, on the guys I watched, he was, uh, I got to remember who the top five are, but he was fourth or fifth at best. I, I assume you did watch Garrett Bowles from Utah, though, right? Love him. Okay. He's my number one. I I love Real that quick, dude. It, that it, guy. What if Cam yeah, Robinson went to Utah and Garrett Bowles went to Alabama? How would the general conception of those two be different? That's interesting. I, I don't know the answer to that because everybody likes this Forrest Lamp guy who's at Western Kentucky. We've seen guys like Jordan Gross go in the top 10 from Utah. Um, I think that Garrett Bowles evidently has uh, a troubled past, mm-hmm. and he's really, I guess, only just a one-year starter coming over from junior college. I mean, these are things that I don't do like the the deep dive. Like I just tell me who the top five guys supposedly are. I watch him, and I love that dude. He is crazy athletic um really aggressive he finishes runs his feet so well at the second level very smooth he's got some nasty to him i just i really really liked his tape he was pretty clearly the best of i think it maybe was mike mayock's top five or whatever he was pretty clearly my favorite and i wasn't that type of guy so you know what i mean i'm not I don't have a bias towards athletic guys because I wasn't overly athletic, but I just his his tape against UCLA I thought was really really good. Does it worry you that he's three hundred ish? I know that sounds like it's heavy enough, but in today's NFL, so he's a little light. Does he have enough sand in his pants? Yes, I think he does. I, I think if you're as quick as he is, mm-hmm. I think you really make up for that with technique. And with jumping guys and getting them on, getting on them quickly. Plus, I, I mean, I, I don't envision him, you know. Get, now, if somebody would want him to to vertical set, then yeah, he'd probably get he'd probably get knocked back. But if he's closing the distance right away and jumping on these DNs like he can do because of his athleticism, I mean, Matt Lepsis, I think, told me one year he played left tackle for the Broncos like two seventy five. So I think you'd be surprised what you can play at. Depending on scheme and depending on how they want you to play it, I think you'd be surprised, you know, how light some guys really are. And being in the 290s, I'm I'm fine with it. I mean, I think when I played 
with Matt Light uh, with the Patriots, he wasn't much heavier than that. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, it seems like most of these boards have Ryan Ramchek at the top of him from Wisconsin. Did you get a chance to watch him? Yeah, I watched him in a couple games. I watched him against Ohio State and against Michigan, and I thought he was solid, uh, but not spectacular. I mean, he's got good size. He's a good athlete. Um, he's pretty good as a uh, as a run blocker. You know, I, I guess the best way I would describe him, M-Dub, is everything about him was pretty good, but none of it was really um, exciting to me. You know, n- n- none of it was really all that. There, there was nothing great. You know, I, I didn't come away thinking, wow, this guy's awesome. You got to take him in the top 10 for sure. I mean, I, I saw him get beat at times against Ohio State and Michigan. I think he'll end up being a solid pro, but he's far from a slam dunk in my mind. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's amazing that – I mean, he's, he's a, a far cry from the Jonathan Ogdens and Walter Joneses at the top of the draft. It's amazing how this position has changed of late. It really, really has. I mean, it's – it's so much different. I mean, there used to be, and really now, even M-Dub, as you know, even guys that supposedly are, you know, no-brainers and and guys that can't miss and they take them at the top five. I mean, look at Eric Fisher, who's kind of recovered nicely. Greg Robinson. Luke look at some of these guys. Oh, Greg Robinson's a nightmare. Terrible. 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 Um did you look at any? Did you look at Lamp? Did you look at Moton? Did you look at Dawkins from Temple? I mean, some of these guys are guards, maybe tackles. Uh, I was just curious if you saw anybody I, else that is worth noting. The other two I looked at were Moton and Garcia. Oh, okay. Um, Garcia from Troy, who I really liked. I watched him against Clemson. Uh, that guy is really athletic and really smooth, and he's the type of guy like. I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if, like, the Denver Broncos mm, okay. were to draft um, him because he fits a zone blocking scheme, like, almost to a T. You know, that's how that's how athletic he is, how smooth he is. Um, I, I can, and in fact, they don't have a left tackle right now, so that's probably who they'll end up drafting. Wouldn't surprise me at all because that's the type of athlete that he is. And then um, in terms of Moton, I was not a huge fan. Um, he, he too, looks like sort of a, a stiff right tackle prospect who might be best served moving into guard. Um, I, I think I watched him against Wisconsin in the bowl game, and he just did not come across as, as being very smooth to me. Um, and I just think more and more, you know, if you're going to play tackle – you really have to be able to, to move your feet. And I didn't see it from Cam Robinson, and I didn't really see it from Moton, them being able to move their feet as well as I would want if I'm drafting a guy tackle in the first round or even in the second. Now, what I did like about Moton is he's physical. He's got some nasty to him. Um, but, you know, in today's day and age, the NFL, I mean, that's, that's really secondary. You know, I, I wish that that was – what was the most important, but it, it really is secondary to pass blocking. Yes, and, and the last thing I want to ask you, and it's a thing I learned from Phil Savage, it comes down from the, the Ravens' way of thinking, is if you have basically the baseline traits of size, athletic ability, and you're smart and you're tough, 
it's really hard to get offensive linemen off the field or to cut them or for them. I mean, they have long, productive careers. And I would think, you know, you kind of epitomize that in, in a way, too. Yeah, it's, well, I can tell you Dante Skarnecchia uh, was the one that always used to say that as well. And he's not the first one. I know Marty Schottenheimer, the most important thing to him was offensive linemen that were smart and tough. You obviously have to have a baseline mm-hmm. of athletic ability. Otherwise, you know, you you can't even play at that level. I think we know that. But as long as you have that baseline, it's being smart, being tough, understanding how to play the position, being physical. Dante Scarnecchia, that's what he says all the time. He says, smart, tough, and athletic enough. Mm. Now, to actually be a guy that is a Pro Bowl type of player, you need to be more than athletic enough. You know what I mean? Like you got to right. be a, a really good athlete, um, like a, a Zach Martin, uh, Joe Thomas. Like some of these guys, they are Jason Peters. They are really, really impressive. But to stick around and be a guy, especially inside, you know, at center and both guards, if you're smart and tough and athletic enough, you can last a while. You know, just being able to, to you know, know where your help is, know what you're doing, make the blocks. I mean, I. I think I could have started for years probably, M-Dub, at like center and left guard. I think right guard, there were so many one-on-ones pass pro against guys like Roy Glover and Bryant yeah. Young. I, I just wasn't good enough to, to, to block those guys consistently. Yep. I hear you. Ross, I know you got to run. This was a great chat as always. Um, I urge everyone to check out all Ross's podcasts, but the college draft with, with, with Ross and Fran, Fran Duffy. I actually got to meet Fran at the Combine for the first time. I was, it was great to meet him for a, you know in person. Um, everybody needs to check these things out. Ross, anything else you're working on you need everyone to hear about? Well, no, I appreciate that. They can follow me on Twitter at Ross Tucker NFL, and they got to pick up uh, a copy of the Draft Digest that I you know. and Fran Basically did all the heavy lifting. 2017draftdigest.com. If you like this podcast, that means you love M-Dub. He did all the team pages at 2017draftdigest.com. And just make sure you put in the code Matt. Or you can put in the code Ross so they know we sent you over there. (laughs) (laughs) All right, brother. This was great. Take care of yourself. All right. Take care. See you, man. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa auto parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10-31-17. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.